Welcome, everyone, to another Serious Angler podcast. And today I am your host, Andrew Full, and this podcast is powered powered by X2 Power. It is an awesome Friday morning. Bailey is down at Lake Cotto in Louisiana fishing for the Hobie BOS Championship, so I want to wish him the best of luck, and hopefully he brings home some more hardware and his second Hobie BOS trophy this weekend. That would be a sweet accomplishment for him. Uh, be on the lookout for our next episode of Lure Lab that is dropping tomorrow. And then um, ultimately what we're really here for is we have the AOI from the National Professional Fishing League coming on today, Gary Adkins. We're going to talk a little bit about his season. So without further ado, let's get Gary on here so we don't have to keep him waiting. How you doing today, Gary? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for uh, coming on. I know we tried to record this yesterday, and I apologize for the shenanigans and debacles I had happened. So, but we're good to go today. But it looks like we're having some other technical difficulties, which is nothing um, abnormal <laughs> for us here. So, it's uh, it's great to have you. Right. How's everything going since the AOI? Um, it, it's been going good. Um, it's been a surreal week after the um went in the aoi on saturday in lake toho yeah that had to be um quite the surprise but and also quite the accomplishment like how did you feel going into that lake uh, uh lake toho event did you think that you had a chance after your practice um yeah I, my first day of practice was a little slow um the second day of practice i started to figure things out a little bit and then the third day i kind of built on it and found a few more areas that had some decent fish um going into the tournament i didn't feel confident that i could i was on the fish to win it but mm -hmm. i felt confident that i was on the fish to take home the aoi yeah well it the plan worked which as we know in fishing sometimes never really truly pans out especially in tournament fishing so congrats to that but we'll uh touch on toho here in a little bit but we're gonna digress here real fast and go way back to the beginning of Gary Adkins fishing um, career and addiction. So let's, let's go way back in the day when you first started fishing, who got you into it? And uh, do you remember like your first catch and what was it? Um, well, I, I grew up in the UP of Michigan um, on the shores of Lake Michigan and uh, big and little baby knock. Um, my grandfather, my father, and my uncle were avid outdoorsmen. Um, we fished a lot. We hunted a lot. Um, I was probably five or six years old, but I, my earliest remembering of going with um, the family out fishing. And we, we were big into um, yellow perch and walleye and occasional bass fishing. But that was where I kind of grew up, started the, like the walleye thing and things like that. Um, and as I grew up, I actually, when I got into high school, I was big into sports. I kind of got away from fishing a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but after high school, um, you know, I had a couple of friends who were still into fishing, kind of got back into it. Um, and then obviously, you know, I met my wife and we had a couple of kids and I kind of was fishing just for fun. And then I started walleye fishing at, at a tournament scene and was pretty, actually pretty, pretty um, successful doing that. Oh, and then awesome. I started... And then I started fishing um, the Sturgeon Bay tournament up in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. 
um, the Smalley tournament. I I got hooked with bass. Once I hooked into my first smallmouth, um, I was hooked for life, and I sold all my walleye stuff, and I started bass fishing. <laughs> was that your first bass tournament? Was that Sturgeon Bay Open? Yes, it was. Oh, what a what a first event! Like just <laughs> jumping right into like right. all the mega like Midwest smallmouth hammers, and that tournament actually attracts a lot of like really big hammers like sticks from Ontario that come down and fish yeah, that as yes, well, right? Does. Yes, it does. You got the Johnson brothers that come down. Um, uh, Ferguson comes down. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a bunch of them that <laughs> Gussie comes down. I mean, there's a bunch of them that come down for that tournament. Yeah, that one day I would like to make it over there and fish. I don't think I'll do very well because I hear those fish in, uh, that's Lake Michigan, right? Surgeon yeah, Bay, yeah. Yes. So I yeah. heard those fish in Michigan act a little bit differently than my smallmouth on Lake Erie. And um, from, I, I don't, I don't know about that because not so much different. Not oh. so much different. I mean, I fished Erie this year and, and fished a lot like I fished back home, and it was very successful doing it. So, well, well uh, shoot me for being wrong here. I like that. So, well, <laughs> I don't mean the correction, but no, yeah, no, that's they're, fine. They're pretty, they're pretty similar. So, like, uh, I had Paul Castellano on who fished it this past year, um, and he was like, we couldn't catch smallmouth over 15 foot in the spring. And I'm like, oh, that's surprising because my spring program where I'm at on Lake Erie is, like, really deep until, like, a water temperature hits a certain degree. And I'm just like, wow, like, hmm, I'd rather catch them deep, deep than shallow, personally, unless it's summer. Right, right. (laughs) but they're smallmouth. So <clears throat> you fish the Sturgeon Bay Open. You're fishing successfully as a Walmart, a walleye tournament angler. What made you want to jump into the National Professional Fishing League and uh, start touring a national circuit? Well, I, I if we can just back up a little bit. I, I fished the Bassmaster Opens for three okay. years prior to that. Oh, awesome. So I, so I was already up to a pretty decent level and I was very successful. My last year I just missed making the elites by just a few points. I had a I had a top 10 on the St. Lawrence River. I finished 18th on the James River. I had one bad day on Oneida Lake which cost me making the elites. Um, but then the, that the end of that year my good friend Kyle Carpenter who is uh, the waymaster for the MPFL um, he mentioned the MPFL to me, and I did follow him their inaugural year, so I was familiar with them, but I really had no intentions of actually joining the league because I really sure. my dream was really to fish the Bassmaster Classic someday. Yeah. Um, so that's why I was doing the Opens. But then I gave it some thought, and I said, well, what the heck, let's give it a shot. So in, this year was my first year. I, you know, I jumped in it, and that's kind of what made my decision to jump was – a good friend of mine just said, "Hey, you should do it. I think you'd be good at it." So that's kind of why I joined. That that's a a good friend, and obviously mm-hmm. you had tremendous success, which we're going to talk about here shortly. But a first in the inaugural season there, um, and an AOI—that's quite the uh, accomplishment. And talking about Sturgeon Bay, Saginaw Bay, right? Like now, I put two and two together: smallmouth fishing, like. Congrats on that win, first of all. But, um, yeah, so what was it like, like, showing up to Lake Cumberland in Kentucky 
in that tournament was not for the faint of heart, right? If I remember correctly, it was cold, it was miserable, it was, tough fight. Right, it was really cold, um, and we got some really bad weather during our practice. The, we had like 13 inches of, I want to say like it was like 13 inches of rain in a week period. Oh, the lake actually came up almost 15 feet. And then we had massive flooding, which created a lot of debris in the lake. So they actually ended up canceling the first two days. Yeah, that, that was wild as well. So did you guys get the fish? I, I don't remember, but did you guys fish two days or did you get all three days in? No, we actually only fished one day. Oh, wow. it, was a, it was a one day shootout for $50,000. That's just wild. <laughs> and I was on a really good smallmouth pattern in there, but after the lake came up, um, it had changed. I fished until 11 o'clock the one day that we did fish, and I hadn't had a bite. Um, I had one little pea gravel, 45-degree bank in a backwater where I caught one largemouth in practice. And about 11 o'clock, I changed my game plan, and I went fishing largemouth, and I was able to catch three fish which I ended up in 15th place after that tournament with them three fish. That's um, quite the adverse start to <laughs> your inaugural season, I would say. One day shootout, plan goes to crap, and you switch it up and fish a spot that you got one bite, and who knows if there would have been even more fish. Like That's right. a tough way to start, but to come out with a top 20 with a 15th, that's – that's quite a good way to start. Like, um, if you don't mind diving into it, what did you uh, catch those fish on at Cumberland? Um, I was using a little micro football jig mm. um, by Fitzgerald. It's uh, their little micro tungsten jig. You might be familiar with it. Yeah. It, it's a really good jig. I've caught a lot of fish over the years with it. Um, and that's what I was doing. I was just dragging it down that pea gravel bank, and these fish were staging up because – they, just be, just before that bad weather, they were really getting close to moving up and spawning. Hmm. So they were staging for that spawn. And um, when that water rose up, all they did was move up the bank, and I was still able to get them three bites, which anchored me that 15th place finish. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly surprised with, like, the rising water that the smallmouth didn't play a little bit better. But, you know. It's bass fishing because the temperature dropped a ton too, if I remember correctly, right? It, like it did. It was like hot leading up, and then it was like forty-five degrees, and still kind of raining during the event, if I remember correctly, for a little bit that I watched, right? Yes, yes, oh. it rained. In fact, that first, first morning it was cold and rainy, miserable. But I think what happened with the smallmouth bite is, at least where I was, the water clarity was terrible. Yeah, that it, never helps. Yeah, but it got really dirty. So, and I want to step back real fast because you said you fished the Opens. Did you fish a regional event in the Opens or did you fish like all nine and travel the country doing nope. it? No, I just fished one region. Region, okay, got yep. it. So I apologize, I should have asked that beforehand. But after Cumberland, you guys headed down to Lake Hartwell in South Carolina. So was this like your first taste of the South in Southeast fishing? No, actually I've... I've had a lot of experience with Hartwell. Okay. Um, with, with my job, like I was talking to you earlier, I travel all over the country, and we yeah. had did a project in Anderson, South Carolina. Oh, perfect. Like two, two years before that, <laughs> I, I spent a complete summer and a fall fishing Lake Hartwell. So go, going there, I, I was real confident that I that I knew the lake and I was going to 
have a good tournament there. But once I got there, a lot had changed over them two years. Um, the water levels were, were quite a bit lower. Um, the clarity of the water was super clear when I got there. And that summer that I was there, for some reason, it was cloudy. So I, the first day I spent fishing what they call memory, um, fishing stuff that I knew and quickly learned that I had to change up because I was not catching them where I had caught them two years earlier. So I started running points all over the lake. It was uh, like they were in all phases of the spawn. You had post-spawn fish. You had pre-spawn fish. You had fish that were on the bed. So I started running points, and the shad spawn was just getting started. Mm. And, th and that's what I chose to do. I ran points chasing the shad spawn and um, was very competitive in that tournament. Um, I was using a fluke on points, and I was fishing shallow, like anywhere from a foot to four foot of water, and I could see these fish. There, there was a lot of two, three, and four pound fish swimming all over the place in the in the shallows. But there was a lot of local tournaments leading up to that tournament, and the, they were heavily pressured and they were really spooky. So you had to get your bites right away in the morning, because as the sun rose, it got really tough. Hmm. Um, so yeah. that's what I did. I just ran points and um, got 14, 15 pounds a day and ended up with, uh, I believe, a 24th place finish. Yeah, I was going to say, and ironically, that was your worst finish of the year, correct? Like the 24th? That was my, that was my worst finish, correct. And probably one of the places that you thought you had a shot to do even better. And 24th isn't bad. There's, what, 105 or 110 anglers? Uh, in... In, the beginning, in the beginning of the year, we started with 120. 120. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's quite impressive field. That's bigger than the elites. It's half the size of the opens, but still like 120 boats is a lot of boats on a bunch of lakes. You know, and, and, there, and there's some good anglers in the NPFL. You know, we've, we've got uh, Patrick Walters, Jason Williamson. We've got some elites in there. We've got some uh, former FLW guys in there that mm -hmm. are really good sticks, and you got to be at the top of your game with these guys. Oh, Absolutely, but it it worked out well for you. So congrats, and I can't say that enough. But um, <clears throat> now one that seemed to be unknown to a lot of people was Watts Bar, right? Like, so how were you feeling heading into Watts Bar after leaving Hartwell? Um, Watts Bar, I had never been there before. I did a lot of research leading up to that tournament, and, and I knew it was going to be a post-spawn bite. Um, and, and I figured the fish would be moving offshore, getting out onto the ledges. Um, but when I got there, I tell you, I, I had a super tough practice. Mm. I could not, I had a hard time putting a pattern together. I was catching a fish here or there. Um, but really, I didn't feel like I had put a solid pattern together. So I, I, I almost put the pattern together during the tournament. I found a couple ledges that had a few fish on them. Um, in the morning, I could catch a quick limit you know, 11, 12 pounds. But as the sun rose up, some bigger fish would move up on these ledges, and I could always get one or two key bites every day that helped me get my weight up there, and I ended up with a 21st place finish in that event. Yeah, which is good for going to a lake that you've never been to, but post-spawn, like, going into it, like, I kind of want to dive into that real fast, but, like, sure. a post-spawn bite, you know, is – junk fishing almost all the time 101 so kind of like dive into it a little bit more like what 
what did you have tied on on the deck to make that transition through the day to try to get those bites first thing in the morning and then to finish the day out in the tournament? Sure. I was using a Strike King uh, 6XD um, early in the morning, cranking. And then I also was using that same Fitzgerald football jig, stroking that jig off the ledges. I see um, a pattern here. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like we might hear about it again later on, maybe with, I'm, I'm assuming it. you probably caught some smallmouth on it because I know they love that thing sometimes. I, actually, actually, that was the last tournament that I oh. used that jig, but, <laughs> but I have caught smallies with that jig. Yeah, yeah I'm striking <laughs> out here. Man, I'm, I'm failing to. It's kind of funny. But, uh, so Watts Bar, that was an interesting tournament because, like, reading up on it and stuff, like, talk about how people are like it's really down, but then some people are saying that it's on the way back. It's just right. one of those Tennessee because it's a Tennessee River Lake, I believe, a TVA Valley it is. Lake. It is. And when you think of the TVA, you think of giant bass usually. And then you guys went there, and it's like, oh, what are all these little ones that they're catching? Yeah, we. I I didn't really catch any real giant fish there. Going there, I anticipated I would, but um, really, I think the biggest one I caught was a little over five pounds, which is still a very quality largemouth for the right. spawn, like. I, but, 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 but when you think you got Chickamauga is the next yeah. lockdown, which is known for giants, you know, it's like yep. you think you're thinking you're going to catch the big fish. Yeah, it's, that's I guess that's like one of the biggest cliches in uh, fishing, right, is like to be ready for the unknown or expect expect what you expect the unexpected because every lake is different, especially the Tennessee River, like. Look at Loudon and uh, Teleco, where the Bassmaster Classic is next year, right? Like, basically, fish is completely different than the rest of the TVA lake. So we always have to treat every lake as its own individual ecosystem, no matter what river system it's connected to and what all the historic lakes are around it. So, all right, the big one, Saginaw Bay. Um I know that was a big tournament for you. You went back basically almost home. That's a Lake Huron instead of Lake Michigan. So kind of dive deeper into this one, if you don't mind, just because I know it was yep. your first win. Were you targeting smallmouth? Were you largemouth fishing? I know guys were doing basically both there. So kind of walk through your practice and what you saw, because it was another post-spawn event, right, I believe? It was a post-spawn event. So after I left Watts Bar, I actually went to um, Saginaw Bay for one day of practice before the sh before the cutoff. Um, I I tried to target smallmouth um, with very little success. I I thought I knew I had picked out an area before I went there. Um, I went there thinking I you know I know smallmouth. I, I know where they're going to be at. Well, me and the wife went there for the day and had very little success. I ended up at the end of the day catching some largemouth because I couldn't figure out the smallmouth. So I went back home, came back three weeks later for the three days of practice, and went back after the smallmouth. Um, in that three-week period, the college event was there, and, and they totally smashed the smallmouths. I mean, yeah. they caught a lot of big smallies. So I, I focused on that again. I, I went to an area by – it's called North Island – 
Um, it's got a lot of rock structure, a big spawning flat just in front of it. And I knew these fish had just got done spawning and they could not be too far. So I focused my first day of practice in that area. And within a few hours, I found a really nice school of smallmouth that were staged on an edge of the shoal. Um, they were feeding up after the spawn. The way the, the way the current was hitting the shoal and there was some big boulders just off the ledge of it and they were staged behind these boulders. So, and there was a lot of competitors in the area. So I had to be really careful about how I fished it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anybody to see me because these fish were super shallow. They were like four feet of water. Now you would think they would be in a lot deeper water um, on the edge of that shoal, but they were, where them boulders were, it was four feet of water and they were stacked there. I mean, you could get one every cast if you, if you hit the cast just right. So, I checked it all three days in practice, just making a couple casts. And, and every fish I caught was on a drop shot with a flatworm. I tried Kytex. I tried tubes. I tried crankbaits. I tried everything that I typically would catch a smallmouth on. And I couldn't get them to touch anything <coughs> that drop shot. Yeah. Speaks you know, to it, the power of a flatworm, right? Like yeah, everybody's yeah. throwing it and they still bite it better than everything else. It's, that bait it's, is it's, so it's silly. crazy. And, then when, and when you think drop shot, you don't think fishing in three feet, three four feet of water. You you think deeper water, but yeah, that's what that's what they wanted. And, and I'll tell you, those times when I would throw the drop shot in there, and they would have it before it even hit the bottom. It was <laughs> it was, it was crazy. And that that's weird to think about too, because the way the drop shot just like basically drops relatively quick, unless you're using a super lightweight, so it kind of went I, down I, slow. I, but I was using a three eighths sinker. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it's hitting that bottom in a second, like it's right. it's a rocket, like and, and they would eat it before it hit the bottom. I would <laughs> I would tighten my close my bail on my spinning rod, and I would tighten up, and they were already on it. Oh my gosh, why can't we have it like that all the time when we smallmouth fish, right? <laughs> right. So so I checked other areas. I went out to the Charity Islands, which is a real popular area on Saginaw Bay, um, Lake Huron. And, and I was able to find some fish out there too, but the big ones just were not there. I I looked, I mean, I checked deep, I checked shallow. I could see a lot of areas where they were bedded up in. The beds were there, but then there was some small two-pound fish on the beds yet, protected and fry. But I could not find anything big there. So I really, I really made hay on that one area on that shoal over by the North Island. Um, I could not find anything else. And then one day in practice, I focused on largemouth around the Saginaw River, just just in case we weren't going to get out of there because of wind. Um, and the largemouth fishing there is incredible. I mean, I think I fished four hours and I caught seventy. Oh my gosh! I mean, like, that just unreal. sounds unreal. It, it is unreal. I mean, <coughs> the largemouth fishing in in Saginaw Bay. If anybody ever has a chance to go there, just to fish for fun fish for largemouth along the shorelines. I mean, that whole bay from from where the Saginaw River comes out all the way to Lake Huron, I don't care what shoreline it is, it's loaded with largemouth. And there's some really big ones too, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah, yeah. the guys were catching four and five pounders. Oh, my gosh. I, I think big fish was might have been a largemouth over six pounds. Wow. It just speaks volumes to how fertile of a fishery Saginaw Bay is to have an abundance of smallmouth and largemouth. Like that's something that my lake lacks here. Just for context, Gary, uh, 
I didn't mention this. I live in Buffalo on Lake okay. Erie. So like our largemouth fishing here is subpar to the rest of the Great Lakes, I feel like. Yes. For and whatever yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, because I, I played with them a little bit around Sandusky and stuff, and it was nothing like Saginaw. Yeah, which it's just weird. You would think with how fertile Lake Erie is and how shallow it is, it would be an excellent largemouth fishery. And they're there. You just don't get big ones. Right, right. So, hmm. so would you like me to get into how my tournament all broke down? And Yeah, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, go. No, I don't mind. Go so, right ahead. So the first day of the event, um, I ran to that North Island area. It's, it was a 30-mile run, and, and we had some pretty good pretty good waves. I mean, I, I ran there in two to three footers. Um, but it took me about an hour to get there. I, I took my time because I felt if I got there, I, I could catch the fish. So I, I got there, and I believe my first 20 casts, I caught 20 fish. Oh, my it, gosh. It, it was crazy. I had just under 20 pounds in probably less than an hour, I'm sure it was. Mm. And I and I felt, you know, that was enough for that day. So I, I pulled off of that spot. I fished around that North Island a little bit. I actually flipped for a few largemouth, hoping to catch a four or five pound largemouth. And I did catch some, but I never did upgrade at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so then day two, uh, it was really rough. I mean, it was four and five footers, but I ran all the way again to that North Island area. Um, it took me almost two hours to get there. The difference that day was the wind had switched and the current, the way it was hitting the shoals was totally the opposite of what the way it was in practice and that first day. So when I got to my spot, it took me quite a while to actually catch a limit. Um, the fish had moved a little bit. It spread them out, and I really had to work for a limit that day. Um, I had, I think, just over 16 pounds that day, and I think I had one that was like four and a half. So the fish size had, the size of the fish had changed in the location. Um, they weren't piled up behind them boulders, but they were still there. I just had to work a lot harder for them. Hmm. And you're uh, still catching them on the flatworm? Every fish I weighed in that in that tournament, I weighed, caught on a flatworm. Now, when mm -hmm. um, the wind changed, did the water clarity at all change yeah. in that area? Like, did it get dingier or did it, like, suck it out and make it cleaner? Like, what actually, happened to make actually, them start making them move around? Actually, you're correct. It got a lot dirtier. Hmm. It did get dirtier. And and I and I I was using my live scope to see where the fish were, and they just weren't up there like they were. Hmm. Uh, the current was different; it was coming across the shoal totally the opposite direction. Hmm. So then on the third day, I made that same run back to that area, and the wind had switched back to the, out of the southwest like it was in practice, and I got there. And were piled right back up on there. Um, but the size, the size had changed. Like it's like all the bigger fish, the three and a half to four pound fish were gone. All that two to two and a half pound range. Um, but I was able to get 16 pounds and about halfway through the day, I had a five pounder on, um, I had it to the net three times and I ended up losing that fish. Oh, small mouth. Uh, <laughs> yep. And actually I lost two back to back, a three and a half and a five at, at the net. And I thought for sure, because of the way the guys were catching them largemouth in the Saginaw River, I thought for sure I had lost my opportunity to win that tournament. I I was leading the tournament going into the last day, but by only five ounces. Hmm. And I 
like I said, I thought for sure I had lost my opportunity when I lost that big fish. But when I got back and you start hearing the doc talk and it sounded like everybody struggled that day. So, I'm, you know, my I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe I still have a chance. And then when I weighed in, I only won by four ounces. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny how when you think you blew it and it still kind of happens and you win. But, like, do you think it's because the guys that were catching largemouth that were – I'm sure there were some guys that caught largemouth that were in the top ten. Do you feel like it's because they just ran out of fish? I think after going back and watching the live video, it looked to me like that, that was – big part of what happened mm -hmm. um they were catching 50 60 70 fish a day um the first couple <laughs> days and i think a lot of it was they ran out of fish yeah and i'm not saying it's poor management because they're trying to upgrade but it's i mean it's crazy and i'm sure a lot of more people were largemouth fishing than were anticipated going to a great lake yes so out of the top ten, I think there was only there was only two of us that fished smallmouths. That's just crazy to that's crazy to me, especially after you have the college tournament that was there a few weeks ago that was just fully dominated on spawning smallmouth. Right. <laughs> so after you left Saginaw Bay, next was Sandusky, and you guys had well like a month break, I think, in between tournaments or a month and a half almost. Yes. I felt like it was a pretty long break so leaving saginaw going to sandusky have you ever like fished in sandusky before well so i i've got some history with lake erie um back in the like early 2000s i think 2005 2006 i fished the everstarts and i fished a couple of events on lake erie out of the detroit river hmm. so i had some history on you know around the peely and bass island areas um so I, going there, I felt a little confident. I mean, it was a long time ago, but, you know, smallmouth, you know, once you figure out a good smallmouth area, they tend to they tend to be good all the time, you know. Yeah, they don't Especially go very far. And they don't go very far. So I went there before the cutoff um, and fished for a couple of days out around Peely Island, Bass Island area, and I had a great pre-practice. I'm telling you, I caught some beautiful smallmouth fishing them deep with the drop shot again the flatworm and um the z2 um minnow yep the baby which, Z2. I'm sure, which, which i'm sure you're familiar with yep being a lake erie guy so oh, yeah. and i caught, and i caught Staple. some beautiful fish out by grub reef and around peely and the helo pad um so my confidence going into that event was really really high um but then when we went back for our three-day practice for the event, um, we've had we had some really bad weather. Uh, the first day of practice, I was able to get out and fish around Peely and stuff. It was rough, but it was you could you could get out and move around. The next two days, we had five to seven footers, cool. so it, it made it made getting around really tough. Absolutely, like were they and, like and, and, you know, capping seven footers yeah, or were they like? Big rolling five to seven footers where you can actually they, manage they were they were capping. Oh, they, the, those are the worst. They were capping. They were capping. That that's almost yeah. unfishable. I mean, we had twenty five mile Gary? winds. It was oh, that sends shiver up shivers up it, my it, spine. Yeah, it, it was very <clears throat> yeah, it was very hard to fish. So I the first day I ran all the stuff that I did in that pre practice, and 
out of all the spots that I caught fish in pre-practice, only one still had fish on it. Uh, and so I was a little mouth. nervous. Um, I ran all that early in the morning. That's typical smallmouth. <laughs> so then I ran in some new water that one day I could get around, and I found a little reef between Peely and Kelly Island mm-hmm. um, where I ended up fishing my event with event at, and, um, and that's where I finished second on that one spot. Oh, that's fantastic. So they're all just wadded up in that one area. Now, let me guess. It was a yes. flatworm again. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, you can't beat that flatworm. No. Um, and and, that, and that, Z, that Z2 minnow, I got some fish on, too. Fantastic. But so, the, first, the, the first day I ran all the way to Grub Reef, because that's the one spot that still had fish on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my pre-practice, I ran all the way out there. I drop my trolling motor in the water and I go up to the deck of the boat and I go to turn my electronics on and I've got no power to my electronics oh, or no. my live well. Well, I actually lost almost three hours that first day with uh, mechanical issues trying to figure out why I lost my power. Come to find out the nut that's on my main power switch back by the batteries had had vibrated off with must have been all the rough water through practice and that wire was barely hanging on there. So I was just pulling wires after having checked all my fuses, stuff like that. And also my live well kicked on. So I had found a problem. And I had a spare nut for my trolling motor in the glove box that actually fit on there. Oh and perfect. I was able to get it. So I was able to get it all back together. And I and I pulled and I got 19 pounds that first day. I caught one on grub and then I caught the rest of them on that little reef that I had found. So the next day I went all the way back out to grub because in practice, I was catching such big fish out there. I had to go out there. I got out there and I fished for an hour and never caught a fish. They were hmm. they were just gone. So then I went back to that other reef and ended up catching almost twenty three pounds that second day on that on that little reef. Oh, that's fantastic! Um, what do you which, think made which, them leave Grub? I, I I'm not sure, but I can tell you is the the sheephead really moved in. I mean, hmm. as you know, there's a lot of sheephead on Lake Erie. Oh, too um, many. In practice, there, there was a few there, but not many. Um, <clears throat> but then when I went back there that second day, every drop, I mean, if you even moved your bait, you had a sheephead. Oh. So I don't know if this sheephead would get it first, and the smallies were there, but there were so many fish on the live scope. You know, unless, you, unless they were set up on a boulder, you couldn't tell if they were sheephead or smallies, but. Now, with sheephead, have you ever experimented with your drop shot leader length? Like, instead of fishing like that typical 12 to 18 inches, have you ever tried to go like three to four feet up off the drop shot weight to try to get away from sheephead? Or do you find that that doesn't work for you? Um, I've tried. I've experimented with that a little bit. Um, and it does help a little bit going way high like that. The smallies will come up and get it there. Yeah. I mean, they, they feed up anyways. Um, and you, but on that particular reef, that particular days, it didn't seem to matter. I Just mean, sheep had if you moved sheep that bait at all, they came and got it. Oh, geez. Sheep had Just sheep had, yep. Yeah. Oh, they're such an absolute nuisance. So after, so after the first day, so after the first day, I was in 17th place. Um, and then I, at the second day when I weighed in 20, I believe it was 22, 11, I shot all the way up to second place. Mm-hmm. And then 
But Scott's Scott Seller, the guy who won the event, he's a good friend of mine. He weighed 26 pounds that first day. Mm. And um, I was seven pounds behind him after the first day. So I had a big hill to climb. Absolutely. Um, and then he faltered a little bit the second day. I think he, he, the second day he had 21, so I gained a little bit on him. So going into that last day, he was just just under five pounds ahead of me. So I knew I had to have a big bag that last day if I was going to win that event. Um, so I ran back out to that little reef the last day, and I weighed almost 24 pounds. And he only had 19-something. So I came up about a pound and a half short of winning that event um, after breaking down that first day. Yeah, I so if you would have had a my, full in day. My stomach, I feel I would. I think I would have won that event. Yeah, if you had a full day, because I was been easily at 22, 20. 23 pounds. Oh man, adversity! It sounds like you had a yes. a very adverse mm -hmm. full season. So good job overcoming that to get the hardest trophy, obviously, in fishing, and that's the AOI. So now we're coming into the final stretch. You got a nice break. A horrible hurricane hits Florida before that event. What was your mindset going driving down to Florida to fish Lake Toho when you're on the verge of capturing the AOI in your inaugural season? Well, I, I was very nervous, obviously. I mean, I was leading the AOI but by only 14 points. Mm -hmm. And Timmy Reams, who was right on my heels, he is a solid fisherman. He, he had three top 10s the first year in the MPFL. He didn't have a bad finish all season this year. Um, so I knew I had to be solid if I was going to take that AOI home. So obviously I was nervous. And then I got down there for practice, and my first day did not go well. I caught some little fish. Um, I had some ideas in my mind how I wanted to fish them when I got there. I, I ran that. I thought I could be flipping pads and hydrilla, things like that. But I couldn't find them in that, in that pattern. So I started looking for shell beds. Um, Toho, Kissimmee, um, Cypress, and Hatchinaw have a lot of offshore shell beds. Hmm. So I, I started looking for them, and I found three of them that second day of practice that had some fish on them, um, and, and lots of fish, but the size wasn't there. It was anywhere from a pound and a half to three and a half, four pounders which now I, st I started feeling a little bit more confident. So then the last day of practice, I it's all I looked for was shell beds. So I ended up with, I think, eight or nine shell beds that I ran during the tournament um, that had fish on them. So the first day I, I ran the shell beds, I caught 16 and a half pounds. Oh, it's a good start and in Florida. Timmy only had 11 pounds. At yeah. Excuse me. Um, and Tim Reams only had 11 pounds, so I, I gained a little ground on him. Um, and then the second day, I ran the same shell beds, and I had exactly the same weight within an ounce, 16-something. Uh, Perfect. And Consistent. Had, yep. And then Tim had actually a little less. He only had 10 pounds. So now I did the calculations that night after the second day there. And I knew if I had the 10 pounds that last day, there were chances are I was going to win AOI. But what I didn't take into account was Taylor Watkins, who won the event. Mm -hmm. He was actually in third place in the AOI. He was 40-some points behind me, 
but I knew I had to stay in that top 40 or he was going to catch me. Yeah. So I knew, so, so I knew if I weighed 10 pounds, I felt I had it. Well, that last day, I'll tell you, I ran all my shell beds and I struggled. I, mm. About one o'clock, I had about six, six pounds. Oh, no. Um, and, and and they were, and the fish were on the shell beds. I could see them on the scope, but for whatever reason, they just were not eating. I was catching them on a big uh, Carolina rig with a big worm on it mm-hmm. and um, a Cinco. And uh, them were the only two baits I could get bit on. Um, so how so did I, you switch up to try and get I, some bites? So what I did was I actually, I, I fished all them shell beds and I was on my way back to Lake Toho because I was fishing in Hatchinaw and there was a couple little outcroppings in the canal that I found a couple of fish on in practice. I stopped with that Carolina ring and in my first cast, I caught a three pounder, which upgraded me like a pound and a half and put me at about nine pounds, I would say, eight, nine pounds. And I made a few more casts. I caught a small one that didn't help me. And then I went through the locks. And I had about an hour to go. And on the Toho side of the locks, there was a weed point that had a shell bed on it that I found in practice. And I made a couple casts on that. And I caught a three-pounder, which put me over 10 pounds. And that's the 10 pounds that I needed to, to win the AOI. Fantastic. Good. That was a good uh, – man – after having petroleum motor and electrical issues and the cold weather at Cumberland and a one-day shootout and to end the season at Toho with the bite just dying on you and being able to change things up and basically fish on the fly on stuff that you practice. But did you have uh, any anticipation that you were going to fish those spots during the tournament? Or was it just on the final day you're like, I got to check these because I have nothing else going? That's basically what it was. I was I was running out of time. I, I had to go back, and I literally spent like five to ten minutes on each one of the last spots and caught a fish on each, which pushed me over the edge and gave me the AOI. Um, but I was definitely in panic mode. Oh, I, I think everyone in that situation would have been in panic mode. Um, I... It speaks volumes that you were able to overcome everything that you did. And I want to say congrats again on behalf of us here at Sirius Angler for your inaugural season AOI. But uh, what would you say was like the turning point in the season for you Thank to you. feel like you had a shot at AOI? And yeah, no problem. Um. I think it was right after the the first three tournaments, um, the Cumberland, Hartwell, Watts Bar. I was sitting in seventh place, and I we were going back to that northern swing where is more of my comfort zone. I, I mean, I'm a smallmouth fisherman by heart, yeah. Um, and I knew if I had two good finishes in Saginaw Bay and, and Sandusky, that I would have a great shot at the AOI championship yeah. and. Um, so I put my nose down and I fished super hard the rest of the year, um, and it really paid off. But that was definitely the turning point after I got done with that southern swing. Yeah, like I survived. Now I'm going north. Let's make a run. So, yeah, that that's awesome. Now, yes, sir. my next question is, being a walleye fisherman first, as we discussed at the beginning of 
this and then turning into a smallmouth fisherman. How much do you think fishing for walleye helped you become a better smallmouth angler? Because they live in pretty much the same type of water in the Great Lakes. Um, like you can usually find them together. Yes, that's correct. Um, I would say the years of walleye fishing, um, and obviously catching smallmouth while I was walleye fishing, helped me understand that, you know, current means a lot, forage means a lot, and obviously habitat. I mean, mm -hmm. you put them three things together and you can typically find smallmouth. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a feeding machine, and if you can find the right rock, boulders, or sometimes even weeds, which also walleye relate to, um, you can turn, you can find some nice smallmouth. Awesome. Now, uh, before I ask you our last question here, I do have a 2023 question for you. Do you plan on fishing the MPFL again, or are you going to uh, jump over and fish the nine bass opens like a lot of people you're seeing starting to do from all fishing levels? If you don't have to answer this, if you don't want to, I'm just curious. Um, no, I, I, I'm already signed up for the MPFL for 2023. Awesome. Um, I'm going to be the defending AOI. I, I want to defend that title. Um, we do have a very diverse schedule. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the schedule, but we have um, Lake Amistad, Ooh. Lake Wright-Patman, Lake um, Eufaula, Santa Cooper, back to Saginaw Bay, um, and then... Um, Lay Lake. Oh, that, that's a very interesting schedule, but Amistad's going to be interesting. I don't feel like yes. there's been a big tournament there in quite some time, so that'll be very interesting to watch. Now, yeah, I, I'm I looking actually, forward to that tournament. Oh, I I can imagine there there's a very good chance. I, I hope it's back to what it used to be, personally speaking. I used to love watching all the old shows on that lake, but um. How do you feel, like, for the MPFL, they have that interesting third-day format? And I apologize, now I'm asking you another question. How do you feel having all the anglers go out on that final day, knowing that if you have a bad day, you could fall really far, possibly and potentially? Um, I, I'm not a big fan of it, I'll be honest with you. Um. I might think different if I was struggling and I needed that third day to catch up. But this year I was in decent position every, every time after the second day. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's nerve wracking. Cause like you said, you could be in 10 in the top 10, but if you struggle that last day, you could fall right out of the money. Yeah. Oof. That's terrifying me. And it's kind of cool from a competition standpoint because it literally gives everyone a chance. So, like, you could be in, hypothetically, you could be in 85th, and if you go out and catch the biggest bag of the tournament and a few guys stumble ahead of you, you could jump up and make your whole tournament. So yeah, You from, can go you can jump it up. Yeah, and from that standpoint, it's really cool, but yeah. I also feel for the guys that are, like, when your traditional format, like your top 10, and then you swing for the fences to try to win, but you only catch one fish. If you do that in this format, you could fall all the way to 70th or 50th or 60th and not make a check. And that, to me, it's like that is it, correct. 
it changes the way you have to approach the tournament. Yeah, you could fall. You could fall. Yeah, yeah, you could fall out of the money really easy. Yeah, I, I don't know how I would react to being in that situation. Obviously, if you're in eighty fifth, it's easier to go swing than if you're sitting in ninth and on and one pound out of the lead or four pounds out of the lead. So interesting, interesting, interesting. So. Gary, is there anything you want to hit on here real fast before I hit you with our final last question? Um, yeah, I would just like to say, you know, um, going over to the MPFL was probably one of the best decisions I have ever made in my fishing career. I'm really glad I did it. Um, it's a great group of guys. It's a great organization run by a great group of people. Um, if there's anybody out there that listening and Thinks they got what it takes to be an angler. They really should check out the MPFL. Awesome. Thank you for that. Like, it, it's really cool seeing a third league kind of spring up, and I hope it continues to have success. I know the first season was quite the tumultuous one for the MPFL, but it looks like everything is on the rails heading forward as fast as can be. So I, I really do wish everyone over there the best of luck and the most the utmost success that they can have for the third league. As you know, in the fishing industry, everything is very niche and small and tight, even though it's a huge industry. So it's really interesting to see a third major tournament organization being able to hold on and hopefully they can hold on for the long time because it just helps ruffle feathers and make things interesting in my opinion. True. Yeah, I hope I hope they're successful. I hope they have a longevity in the tournament industry. Yeah, but the trophies are awesome. So, like, I love those things. They're huge. Yes, I, I I've got two of them now. I got a gold yeah. one and a regular one. It's fantastic. My first, my, my first year. <laughs> so hopefully you can uh, get a couple more trophies next year. And um, real quick, I want to say thank you for taking the time. I know you're in the middle of a work travel trip. Uh, join us tonight here will join me here tonight as we're recording this for today's episode but uh gary i'm gonna hit you with the last question are you ready for it yeah, i'm ready let me have all it. right so from any point in time you can pick three people to bring to your dinner table have a steak and beverage of your choice it can be beer whatever it is who are the three people that you're inviting to your table to sit down with and have a conversation with and um, why? I would say Kevin Van Dam because I just like to like to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit and just know where just be able to see how he thinks when it comes to fishing because he's has had such a great career. Yeah, what um, a machine that guy is. Yep, Jacob Wheeler, same thing. He's just unstoppable. I like to pick his brain a little bit. Um. As far as the third guy. Uh, keep in mind, they don't have to be fishing industry. They can be anyone. Hmm. Honestly, honestly, if I could get my dad back here to have dinner with him one more time, that'd be nice too. Absolutely. I lost my, I lost my dad a few years ago to cancer, and oh. I, I surely miss him. I, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, he's in a much better place now. 
no matter what you believe in, it doesn't matter, but um, he's no longer in pain and suffering. So I'm sorry right. for your loss. Yep, he was a big part of uh, who I am today. Yeah, that'd be quite the interesting combo. KVD, the, the greatest of all time. Jacob Wheeler, who is probably going to be the next greatest of all time, just from a sheer standpoint of tournament winnings, and then your dad. And if he loved the tournament fish, that would be a really interesting conversation. And it makes me think how Jacob Wheeler is going to do next year now that they're going to a five-fish format in the Major League Fishing BPT. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Absolutely. So, well, Gary, I want to say thank you again for your time. I wish you the utmost success next year in 2023 and safe travels tomorrow getting back to Green Bay to uh, the colder temperature zone that you'll be flying into. And uh, I'm sorry the Packers are having such a horrible season. Yeah, they, they're they're a mess this year. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, uh, like, I, I can't believe how bad Aaron Rodgers looks. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I'm a Packer fan. I'm not a I wouldn't I wouldn't consider myself a diehard fan. Yeah. But I'd certainly I certainly follow him and um yeah, he's not having a good season, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's the in my opinion, the NFL is better when Green Bay's good, Kansas City's good, Buffalo's good. I'm obviously a huge Buffalo fan living like yeah, twenty minutes good. from the stadium. But I don't know. They got Minnesota this week and I don't know if Josh is going to play. He got hurt pretty bad in the Jets game. He has a partially torn UCL in his throwing arm in his elbow. So we will yeah, see. I, I saw that. Yeah, it could be a, a rough couple weeks yep. for us Bills fans, but we will hope. And uh, yeah, they're solid though. They're they're solid this year. They're definitely fun to watch. Well, I hope you have a warm start to your winter because I'm when is Amistad real fast is it early like February it's, uh, March? First, week, first week of March oh perfect so you don't have that much time yep practice I think is the last one so yeah you don't nope, have much time I'm, I'm already time. doing research fantastic well Gary I hope you um, have safe travels like I said and hopefully we'll get you back on here soon after you get another big old shield trophy all right Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. My pleasure, and we'll chat soon. Okay, thank you. Yep, bye now. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another Serious Angler podcast episode. As you heard, we had the National Professional Fishing League Angler of the Year, Gary Adkins. Huge congrats to him. I hope everyone enjoyed this, and be on the lookout for tomorrow's Lure Lab episode. And until next time, Have a good day.